Guys, if you heard part one of this episode with Annie, the human lie detector, you'll know it was absolutely mind-blowing and a freaking masterclass in spotting misaligned actions and dodging the liars and users no one has time or energy for. And we're keeping the conversation rolling in the second part of this conversation with Annie Sandblad, the global expert in reading thousands of facial expressions. Guys, this is about emotional, mental and physical safety, so we don't take that lightly here on Women of Impact. And so we continue this epic discussion with talking about the power of teaching your kids to detect disdain and loathing in facial cues. This is a game changer, guys, even if you don't have kids. We also uncover the power of micro-expressions. This is a new secret weapon to unmasking potential users and possibly abusers. And we also talk about the magic, the beautiful magic of facial expressions to responsibly build healthier bonds and superior relationships. This isn't just about the negative. It actually is also about the beautiful positive that we can bring in our lives. So my homie, by the end of this episode, I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready to take your emotional well-being to a whole new level, to give you the tools that you need to stop fearing trusting people again. This is the path forward and another beautiful tool in your confidence belt. All right, if you're ready to tap into your inner badass and take your listening experience to a whole new level, then check out Women of Impact subscription service on Apple Podcasts. Guys, this has zero ads, exclusive playlists are curated just for you, bonus episodes, and so much more. So find me on Apple Podcasts, Supercast, or the link in the show notes. Going back to something you were saying earlier about like the, the gut and the gut instinct mm-hmm. and how much over time we've really like almost like shut down the gut instinct yeah um how do we start to um activate now the gut with the expressions that we're noticing so that we don't keep ignoring them listen listen to those feelings um, and take some time and silence however you find that but but be willing to sink into yourself, you know, whether it's an exercise, whether it's in meditation, whether it's in prayer, whatever works for you, but to be listening to your own voice that's sort of beyond words and to feel those feelings. And sometimes it's looking back at something where we get, I mean, one of the best ways to practice lie detection is to look at the the clips of politicians when we know for a fact that somebody was lying about, you know, that child is not my child. Well, DNA later confirmed. Mm. And then go back and watch the video of the of the individual saying, that's not my kid. And see when we know they're already caught in that lie and, and start practicing that way. But um, listen to yourself and go back and reanalyze these relationships the way I can with that man. You don't have to learn everything overnight. Just Just start. Look on the chin and see that love is actually all around us. You know, if we just start looking Mm -hmm. and lower your gaze, but here's a really important thing. When I talk about lowering your gaze, don't keep it on the mouth for more than three seconds. That looks really uncomfortable with just staring at someone's mouth. Well, people start to tilt their head and lean in for a kiss. So that's what we instinctually do then when we're about to kiss someone is look at their lips. I've never. But we also do that when we're learning a language. You know, we're just trying to figure out like what's going on down there. And I think that's I spent so much time on this area. You know, years of my life going through these different languages. I was abroad for twenty five years. Nine different countries, including the U.S., uh, eight languages, most of them through immersion, and just years and years of my life not understanding what people were saying. That's how I dealt with my trauma. I just kind of didn't deal with it and moved to the next place. 
Mm. And um, in, being in different countries, even if you don't understand, we like you even said earlier, right? We all have the universal language of yeah. the face. Facial well, that's how Darwin started. Um, you know, he was everyone. People have written about facial facial expressions as long as people have been writing, but Darwin had the kind of brain where he just wanted to pick apart the little pieces, and so he was traveling from tribe to tribe to tribe where nobody had any direct contact. And he started to recognize in the same way, I kind of, I believe in my head, I was like, I did kind of the same thing where you started to get really, really good at the nonverbal because that's all you had. There was no, I didn't understand the words. And so he started to document and the facial action coding system that I'm, you know, I'm certified in, um, which is how I started to get the numbers and the math on it. Um, He's, he was the one that really started that by documenting um, humans, a- apes, and canines mm. and started looking at it. everything I do with facial expressions. It's pattern recognition. It, it, it has nothing to do with age or gender or ethnicity or geographic location. It's a human thing. And so the only people that don't make these facial expressions are people that have uh, facial paralysis. Mm. And that's where Botox is? It is. It freezes our concentrating muscles. So it's one of the reasons Botox helps with depression. Oh, it helps with depression. Because <laughs> yeah, it stops us from overthinking. Oh, We can't move those muscles. But doesn't it make you less empathetic, I heard you say? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It makes it less. You have too much facial paralysis. You can't, uh, you can't kickstart the emotional process for your brain. So we make the facial expression, it sends a message to the amygdala and we process it. And so that whole process is impeded if we get too much facial process. I've had people come to me and say, you know, my mother-in-law used to be so empathetic and so kind. And, and wait a second, is there some facial paralysis? Yeah, actually, she's got advanced stages of Parkinson's. There's facial, yeah. And so once you can't move too much, but I mean, for some of us women, I mean, I can see that being a huge relief because we're all empathy and all movement and all. So just kind of calming down those muscles can definitely help. It helps with migraines too for some people. Interesting. I wonder why migraines. I think it's, you know, sometimes stressing, worrying, all of those things are interconnected. I'm not a doctor, so, yeah. you know, somebody else could probably explain it better. I just know that we need the facial expressions it's why when you talk on the phone with somebody who's severely depressed, it's easier to talk on the phone and have that maintain that distance than that face to face. If you ever spent time with somebody that's really sad mm-hmm. and you, you know, you, you feel like you have to take a nap afterwards. And that part of that is because we're mirroring their facial expressions of distress. We do the tempting of the eyebrows, the triangle of sadness. I believe there's a movie called that. And then that pucker of the chin and, and as we're mirroring each other's facial expressions, even though it's tiny and very minute, it's what we humans do when we connect. We're face to face. We mirror those facial expressions and we take it on. Our nervous system feels like we've experienced it ourselves. So I had a friend that was very, very depressed and I had to perform um, at work on a level that I couldn't both see her for two hours at a time. And so I said, you know, we just, I, I can still see you. I just have to do a call instead of. And I assume that's the same as FaceTiming someone versus a voice. Right, but the um, 
So Zooming and FaceTiming and all of that um, technology, it, that's all off. It's one of the reasons that Zoom leaves us lonely and longing because our expectation, first of all, it doesn't, we're not looking each other really in the eyes. If I'm looking in the eyes, you're seeing a different area of my face. So the technology is not great that way. And the other thing is that it's, it's, there's a delay. Sometimes you say, I don't like the delay. That's me saying, I don't like the delay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> my yeah. face leaking that I don't like it. Um, and the other thing is that when we really connect with someone, our expectation is that we're going to connect the same way we do in person and the rhythm and the flow of everything will be on and it isn't. And the other thing, I'm sure other people are guilty of this too, but I tend to look at my own face. Oh, yeah. I don't even realize I'm doing it as well sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, yes, a bit egotistical, right? <laughs> and so therefore I'm not responding and it doesn't feel like we're mm. looking. So when I really want to connect with somebody, I much prefer phone than video. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. But you would do that because I'm thinking about the empathy thing of how it can be very draining. Would you still suggest then um, if you had to do one or the other, phone is better? I think phone is better because the technology awakens the need and doesn't satisfy it just like a bad lover. Oh. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. I'm not expecting to say yeah. that. Um, wow, that's fascinating. And so... With the paralysis, going back to like, let's say it's just Botox for, mm -hmm. for simplicity. And that's kind of like almost self-inflicted uh, versus, you know, yeah. Parkinson's. Yeah. Um, that can make you less empathetic, mm -hmm. which to your point can be sometimes good if you're overly empathetic yeah. and that steers you. But to a point, I assume, because then wouldn't it make you more would it make you more depressed after a long period so, of time? So, uh, I d so one of the things that I find so fascinating is that... Uh, People, but I mean, more and more men are getting Botox too. We we get Botox because we have this idea that it's going to make us more appealing and more attractive. And we want to be more attractive because we want to feel connected, right? We want people to like us and we want to have that back mm -hmm. and forth. The reality is that when our face doesn't move in a natural way, it, it sends signals to the other person that we're not trustworthy. Oh. And so my expectation and one of the reasons that our connection was so fast is you're really responding to my facial expressions. You're responding to my words, to my gestures. To, there's this connection and chemistry that makes me feel cared for and seen. And there's just this beautiful connection back and forth. And I, you know, it took me two seconds to walk in there and I was like, okay, I'm safe in this area. Yeah. This is going to be good. We, we get each other. We have things to learn from each other. This is going to be fascinating for me too. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 
86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. If your face hadn't moved at all, my brain would be sending warning, warning, warning. This is not okay. There's something off even if I couldn't code it. And so the problem, it's almost harder for other people than it is for me. So I can identify, okay, that that this piece is not, there's a little Botox there and that's okay, but I can still see these other puzzle pieces of the emotion. So I still feel, I still see the empathy. I still see the rise of the cheeks. That would be okay for me. But think about it if you are trying to look younger for your spouse and you're trying to look more attractive and all of a sudden he can't see that you love him. He can't see that you're mirroring him and he doesn't know what is wrong with the connection, but there's something off. Or for little kids, if you have a kindergarten teacher that does a lot of Botox, she's not going to have the same connection with those little kids. Mm. So the the heartbreaking piece is that we get it to to be and to feel more attractive and connected. And it's it's the ultimate disconnector. Oh, so we're actually doing a disservice in that mm-hmm. sense. Well, you know, when someone's extraordinarily polished, I mean, I, I had my makeup done today, so I'm feeling kind of fancy. But when someone's, someone's super fancy and polished every second of every day, we tend to feel less safe than the person who will answer the door when their hair's a mess and be like, I'm kind of a mess day, but come on in, we're friends. Uh, we need a little bit of vulnerability, even on a physical level with people. That if you're too polished, I can't tell you the things I'm struggling with. So there has to be, a, you know, it's, it's almost a kindness in certain situations, at least to tone it down. And that lack of formality allows somebody else to be a little bit more of themselves. Mm. And that doesn't mean that we don't have every right to, you know, to make ourselves pretty and fit and healthy and all the way. Yeah, I've got zero anything, nothing against Botox. I've never had it myself, but I know mm-hmm. a lot of people that have. And again, sure. it's like if it makes you happy, then. But yeah. I, I, but I love to always know though, like what is it actually doing? And then yeah. to your point about the communication, the dynamic, mm-hmm. that's just fascinating. So people at home knowing, hey guys, if you're going to get it Botox, do it for you, amazing. But just know what right, it can maybe potentially don't overdo do. it, or yeah. do a little bit. You know, I, I can say like I spent so. I mean, this these elevens or parentheses as I call them. This is six and a half years of having 
and three kids too close together and, and just going, furrowing my brow over so that the facial expressions end up etched into our skin. Mm. So I can see a lot of somebody's personality just but from, at a certain age where the wrinkles are. Oh, you've done a lot of worrying and concern. This is me thinking, how am I going to get sleep? You need to sleep. You need to sleep. I need to sleep. How are we going to sleep? Mm. So what's the difference in between that and angry? Because it looks like it's the same thing. It's the same thing in the top. You only know if somebody's angry oh. with the mouth, the tight mouth. So it always is the combination of like potentially the top and the bottom put together. For anger it is. So right. anger, the brow of concentration is all. So so I have men come up to me all the time and go, my, my, my wife says I'm angry and I'm not angry. And they go, okay, honey, you're thinking about work? Yeah, I'm thinking about work. And I was like, okay, well, tell her that if you're angry, that you're going to have a tight mouth. But if you are thinking about work and you're problem solving, for a lot of men in particular, they are not open to emotional connection at that moment because they're solving something. Mm. They're already focused on something. Mm. So maybe that's not the moment to get some snuggles. Mm. But what about people who have like, well, I, me and my husband called angry neutral faces. Yeah. So your face is totally neutral, yeah. but it reads as angry. How do you... Um, going back to almost where we started, where it's like knowing how to decipher someone when you first meet them. Mm. Is it kind of taking a baseline and then looking at the expressions yeah. after that? Because yeah. some people's faces, just depending on like if your eyes are, you know, more yeah. slanted down versus sure. up. Yeah. In my profession, we talk about this genuine smile and and they like to say genuine versus a fake smile. And I often will put it in, in the terms of a genuine smile versus a social smile. Because if we're friends and I see you one morning and I'm going out for my walk and I've just had a really tough night and I've got pressures at work and, you know, one of my loved ones is sick and one of my kids is not doing well. I'm not going to give you that genuine smile of I'm elated to see you. I'm just going to say hi, but I'm going to try to smile anyways. So we need to remember to put things into context and we're not trying to always catch people. When we really need these skills at pivotal moments, whether we're in high stakes negotiation or we're trying to make a decision about partnering with somebody in any way that's going to be lasting, we just want to that we want to be able to have these tools at our resource as a resource so that we can get a little bit of extra information. And it's it's not so definitive, except in that case where you're going, you know, nobody should be growling at a little kid. Yeah. That's a problem. And so even sorry, I don't have kids, but is that actually true? Because like if you're really freaking tired and the kids just screaming, like, aren't you gonna scowl a little? You're gonna be mad and you're gonna go, ah, right. but you're not gonna do that sort of predatory knowing smile. Which so it's is like, one side versus like both? It's got a little curl of the lip, which is that with that is contempt. It's you can feel it. So me looking at you going, ah, is very different from me going. You, you really want to, you know, your gut will tell you. And so I'm giving you some tools for language, but then you take those tools and you build the language. Mm. It's like when you teach somebody Italian, you teach them a few sentences, a few keywords, and then they go out and use them and they start mm. to build. And they, the more they're around other people who speak Italian, the more their brains will connect the different pieces. You already know this as a human being. That's what your gut is screaming. They're saying, alert, alert, alert. Here's the information. You just don't have the words to break it down. Yeah. You don't have the vocabulary. So I'm giving you a little bit of extra proof. And now you have to go out and test. The problem is that knowing micro expressions, and you've got this in you, 
dollars to donuts makes us so much more mischievous mm. because if we don't poke a little bit, we don't get the good big facial expressions. So we sometimes get a little bit more cheeky, a little bit more inappropriate, a little bit more like, yeah, maybe I normally wouldn't say that, but what happens if I say this? Are you going to show some excitement, some some fear, some disgust? You know, like what happens if I press that button mm. that I was told not to press? Mm. But if you see that someone gets really hurt or that they're like, oh, you know, really recoil, you can adjust. So learning these facial expressions gives us feedback in every human interaction, every face-to-face interaction we have. And it just makes us better listeners and it makes us better at love. Wow, that's so cool. What are the um, micro expressions that maybe we misread? So like, you know, when I think about people's emotions, mm-hmm. like someone being upset or disappointed, yeah. like how, how, how do you start to decipher? Cause I actually heard you say that, um, there's a same, I can't remember what expression it was, but pride and defiance is shown in the same way. Yeah. Um, we lift our chin in pride. And there's a piece where I was talking about, um, that was actually a conversation that I was having with the main love interest about, you know, getting his permission for the final time. Like, can I publish this? This is a, and he just lifted his chin and I lifted my chin too. And it was like this beautiful mirroring of like, bring it. Mm. Um, and in my case, there was, there was some pride in being defiant because I was letting him go. I was telling him, I'm going to publish this. Are you okay with it? He was. He wanted it out in the world. He did. He got very upset when I talked about fictionalizing it. Um, and he, you know, lifted his chin and like, you know, I, and I said, you're going to, you're going to be recognized. And he just lifted his chin, squared his shoulders, like bring it. And in my case, there was some sadness in this defiance of, I can't do this. I can't have an emotional affair. Um, with somebody that I'm in love with, who's in love with me, that's married to somebody else. I can't be friends with you. I can't do work with you. I can't be friends with you. This doesn't feel okay. This feels icky. Um, I'm divorced. I'm single. If you love me, if I'm the love of your life, then do something about it. But I mean, my thing that I always said to him was, you have to pick a lane. I'm not doing both. My thing that I grew up with was I was always worried that he would cheat on me and resisted the relationship because I did, you know, because I had these major trust issues. And um, so I wasn't going to be willing to go into a relationship with him where I was the other woman or even the main woman where there was another woman. It just wasn't, it wasn't an option for me. So how do you start to identify that chin? The, the, the actor who is in um, Arrow, Stephen Amell. There's a picture of him standing next to his wife and he's got joy on his face and he's got a lift to the chin. I thought that's a funny expression. Why is he, where's the pride? Like that wasn't defiance because it was really just, you know, there was this beautiful, soft lift of the chin and joy. And he was like, it was that, sorry to interrupt you, but that's the difference then because of defiance, because he had the lifting of yeah, the Yeah, defiance chin. could have a little bit of the chin thrust and some anger. God. Right. Okay, yeah. But if you've got that softness mm-hmm. and the lift and mm-hmm. I thought, what the? And I read further on down and his wife was pregnant. Aww. And he was, he was all cheeky and like, this is, I did that. <laughs> so the lifting of the chin and the combination of the facial expressions is what then dictates whether it's beautiful pride or utter defiance. Mm-hmm. 
Got it. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me about the guys at Adam's Apple. Because again, because oh. like, I'm always trying to go like, okay, like I'm such a, I love learning. And so reading your book and talking to you today, I feel like I'm just like a sponge. Um, and I'm always trying to decipher because I definitely w- will remember as much as I possibly can and use oh, yeah, it in my real life. So, um, but the things where pe- people get confused. Uh-huh. Um, and so I've heard you talk about the Adam's Apple. So, so I talk about fear being the popping of the tendons of mm-hmm. the chin. So anytime there's a piece of like, oh, crap. And that's in physical pain too, by the way, mm. which makes sense that there's a piece of fear in physical pain because there's this, when you're really hurting, you know, something really hurts, that is, there's a feeling that that pain's never going to go away. Mm. You just have that. So there's a, there's a piece of fear in pain. So, so disregarding that, because that's out here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fear. The bobbing of the Adam's apple. So I never, I never see it or very rarely see it in women, but, but in men, it's often very pronounced. And it, for me, it's many, many times I see it with my clients when I start talking to Annie, Annie explain this micro expressions. And it's the lump in their throat that they're swallowing. It's them feeling really vulnerable and a little bit, um, observed and uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing because it can mean, I'm touched. I, you know, if I've said something very kind to them, they'll, they'll swallow. If I've said something hurtful, they'll swallow. Mm. If I've said something that makes them just feel a little naked, you know, emotionally, they'll swallow. And so whenever I see that bobbing right in the middle, I, and I can see it even if I'm making eye contact, dunk, mm-hmm. it, mm. it just reminds me to be a little softer and a little bit more tender, and to realize that this man who's polished and poised and powerful is really just a little kid inside, just like and all of us. So how do you break apart, though, those different emotions? Is it then the face? Like, is the is the throat a signal that they're feeling something deeply? Yeah. And then you're reading their facial expressions to understand what that deep feeling is? Well, think about it. If, I, if I'm if i talking to um, somebody who is leading an organization and he's just met me and he's talking to me and I'm saying like, look, you know, it is, it's, it's really hard to be in the position that you're in because you can't talk to your board about the things that you're insecure about. You don't know what you're doing. And it, I mean, you've run a, run an organization, right? You can't tell your board, I don't know what I'm doing with this. Of course, no. You can't tell, you know, you might not have a business partner. You're at the top of the pyramid. You can't tell your employees, I'm in, like, I'm over my skis. I don't know what I'm doing with this. Like, I got all this under control, but oh shit, I don't know what we're going to do with this. You may not be able to tell your spouse. Either your spouse isn't involved in the business. Either sometimes you've worked so hard, your spouse doesn't even want to see you, Mm. right? They're so resentful because you're focused on work, focused on, it's hard to do all these things. Um, Or your spouse just isn't involved in the business. You've married somebody or you're partnering with somebody who's who, who hasn't run a business and doesn't have this experience. So unless you're a member of an organization where you can go, you're often pretty alone. So I'll talk to these men about this and I'll say this, you know, one of the things I do, I have a business background. I've worked in, in, in investment banking. I've worked in management consulting. I've run my own practice. I've done strategic advisory. For you. There isn't a business problem you can throw at me where I haven't at least seen some of it. But unless you tell me what your real issues are, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest issues is that men are extraordinarily lonely. Gulp. Every time I say the word lonely, gulp. Because they feel seen and they feel, and they're going, I don't have anybody that I can confide in. So what I am able to offer people that are running 
huge businesses or small startups or what anything in between is that they trust me. I can see all your feelings anyway. Why don't you just tell me what your business problems are? Mm-hmm. And I am transitioning more and more to teaching young people these skills that I have used to lift and make powerful people more powerful. Because in my lifetime, I have to do this piece before mm-hmm. I before I check out. Yeah. Before before my time is up, we never know when that. that I mean, knock on wood, right? That you and I are going to live until we're a hundred. Hell yeah, girl. Yeah. So what happens? Because you're entering that already knowing that they've got a problem and that you're there to help them. Right. But let's say you're in a discussion either with your your partner, boyfriend, mom, friend, whatever. Oh, I guess let's go for males. My ex-husband, for example, I would sit and I would be really crabby with him about something. He's a very nice person. And I would say, you know, you did this or you didn't do that or you weren't whatever. And his words would be kind of like it wasn't really entering, you know, he would be a little defensive and then I'd see him swallow and I'd go, oh, he's feeling really vulnerable. Okay. I need to calm down. I need to take it back a step because almost everybody is struggling, not at every moment, but we all struggle as humans. And so this ability to see what somebody is feeling underneath the surface gives us that extra listening skills where, you know, you look like you don't care at all what I'm saying, but you just swallowed. So I really hurt your feelings. I need to just take it down a notch. How do you know that in that moment you've hurt their feelings and they're not just mad? Because you don't swallow when you're mad. You tighten your lips when you're mad. It's so specific. You you swallow when you get a lump in your throat Mm -hmm. and you get a lump in your throat when something's making you feel really uncomfortable, unsafe, vulnerable, sad. You know, just, you have to keep, the the way to do it is you have to keep translating yourself. Like, when do I get a lump in my throat? Because women get it too. It just seems to me that I'm always seeing it with men. And maybe because they're, they, they project this image that they're not, that their feelings don't get hurt. And, oh my God, their feelings get hurt so much. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, what about passive aggressiveness? What type of like expressions do people Always see those tight lips. And the other thing is that they, they tend to like pull in a little bit. It's almost like a little bit of a pucker. Like I'm mad, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm just keeping it in. It's almost like you're closing the floodgates. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you hit you someone like, oh, at least I'm, I'm not an expert. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm just missing the micro expressions. But sometimes it looks like they're like neutral. Yeah, but you'll see the little flicker tightening. It's just, they're so minute. Do the eyes get slightly harder mm-hmm. then? Because as, as I'm looking at you, yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. You just get that little, yeah. like, mm. it's it's just all these things are kind of clenches. Even the disgust is like the clenching of these muscles and the negative stuff. Whereas the positive stuff is like a little bit looser and softer. Mm-hmm. Is there any type of um, expressions that we haven't gone over that we need to make sure that we identify today so that people can take home and use in their life? Um in order for them not to feel like yeah. they get tricked um, again. So on top of our eyes, we show fear by pulling our upper eyelids, again, looking for the for the exits, right? So that's kind of like, oh, crap, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Um, or if you say to somebody, like, it's really important to me that that we're in a monogamous relationship. <laughs> the guy goes like this, that's a problem. He's like, well, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> that's a problem with mm-hmm. the leakage. But the... Um, 
We show excitement and we show mental instability both by pulling our upper eyelids back. And so you do it when you show excitement. You're like, I do a lot in this show. Yeah, you do it like, <laughs> oh my goodness. But that's a punctuator that you're using mm. and you're not holding it where you're having a long conversation. Mm. But you get somebody like Elizabeth Holmes who is oh. often walking around like with this almost, you know, and we know our nervous system doesn't like that. So it's one thing to to use it to punctuate something, to show, oh my goodness, that's so exciting. Um, but if I'm saying, so after lunch, I think we're going to, doesn't that feel unsettling? Right. So there's, just pay attention to somebody who pulls their upper eyelids back and holds them. That person is not feeling good. And there's, um, there's just something off in terms of their emotional health and it, all the school shooters do it. Um, I, I don't think it's always proof that there's going to be an act of violent violence, but there's proof that there's something that's really chaotic and messy inside. And so if we are going to do a business deal with somebody, we don't want to do a business deal with somebody who's pulling their upper eyelids back all the time. It's a warning signal. It's a red flag. Mm -hmm. And again, it's showing us where to dig, where to look for more information. It's not necessarily definitive proof. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought up Elizabeth Holmes, actually, because she just conned so many people. And I think of she conned People who are, have been in business, who've like the elite of the elite. When we're emotionally or financially invested, we don't want to see the red flags. We, do, we, we, choose, we sometimes make a lot more decisions with our emotions and then we back it up and we justify it with our rational brain. Mm -hmm. And I also think, you know, what she was selling was something that hit people on such an emotional level because it was, it was diagnosing, it was, it was touching health and it was touching so many pieces of health that everybody had themselves or a loved one or a family member or a friend that was suffering from X disease, which they could know instantly with just that one drop of blood and nobody likes really giving blood because, uh, needles and all that stuff. So it was just such a great solution. The technology advances so quickly. But it seems kind of plausible, and I want to jump on that train. And so many other people have gotten rich in this area of the of the world of the country, mm -hmm. and all these other people are buying into it. You know, it's snake oil, but everybody else buys into it. And you want it to be true. I mean, I've been in situations where I've um, been absolutely duped, but. Uh, I saw that there was empathy on the on the faces of the people that were duping. They felt badly about it. So I thought, okay, well, now they're going to help. And nope, because they, they they felt emotion, but they just cared a lot more about their wallets mm. than they did about whether or not they were hurting us. The reason why I asked about Elizabeth Holmes, by the way, is it kind of um, made me think about your story because multiple times you're like, he was so handsome. And how much of that... I wanted it. Right. I wanted it. But wanted it, but also like, if you're just like maybe staring into someone's eyes, are you ignoring almost everything that's happening yeah. around? often you are. And, and again, we... You know, uh, with money and love, we think our lives will be better and will be safer. If I have a little bit more money, I'll be safe. My loved ones will be safe. If I have a little bit more love, I'll feel better about myself. I'll feel more connected. I will. These are things that are just so deep in us that, that, um, you know, we have this illusion that money is going to fill us. And we have this illusion that if I find the right romantic partner, I'll also feel whole. And that's really not how it works. But when we see that, possibility, we're willing to really get tunnel vision. And so the micro expressions are there as a tool to kind of help us um, it, just 
get those red flags confirmed before we get too deep in. When I saw that um, Out for Blood, I think it was, I think it was a Netflix, but they did a, they did a, a documentary on Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just sat and watched it with my then ex-husband, now ex-husband, but I just had crazy eyes, crazy eyes, crazy eyes. <laughs> She's like, she just kept playing. I was like, you cannot do business with somebody who's going like this. And then the voice change as well that she did. I mean, they, were, they put all the pieces of the puzzle together and there's something that's really off, but you don't need to be able to dissect them. I mean, there were a lot of people that, there were some people that were completely and utterly duped, but there were a lot of people that said, yeah, I should have known better. Mm-hmm. It's a knowing smile, like mm-hmm. I should have known better. Mm-hmm. I've been through this before. Yeah. Yeah. Annie. Homie. Thank you, Oh, my God. Where can people find you you and your amazing book? Um, So my book is available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. So every local bookstore, I think it's wonderful if people want to buy from their local bookstores. Um, But it's it's available all over the world. And it's also an e-book. And um, I, I hope it helps keep people safe and connected and well-loved. Amazing. Where can people follow you personally? Um, I'm across, I put all my stuff across the social. So TikTok, Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, um, on my website, but the, but even like the TikTok. So wherever you're comfortable, you can go on, you can see these videos. And even if you don't buy the book, watch the videos and get comfortable and, and repetition is the Mm -hmm. key to learning. So watch the videos where I'm showing the facial expression and then take a mirror and practice. 